Hey friends, welcome to Conversations with Kenzie, a podcast hosted by yours truly, Kenzie Brenna. No topic goes unturned here. We talk about everything with everyone. We like to get raw and sometimes we get heavy and sometimes we swear. So I'm warning you now. Also, we are working remotely. So audio quality between host and guest may differ. Lastly, check out our show notes for giveaways, fun promotions, or discounts to our favorite stuff. Enjoy the show. Hi, Sean. Hey, Kenzie. <laughs> How you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, living the life, surviving. Mm-hmm. How is New York right now with COVID? Um, New York is really interesting. It's like New York has been so cautious and I've been here since the beginning and it's just like total lockdown is what it's been. And now it's like people are out a little bit more and it's a little nervous making to be honest. Um, but our like our numbers have been really good. It's just a time of uncertainty. No one really knows what we're supposed to be doing, but we've just been super at home, super mm-hmm. um, little homebodies here. Yeah, for sure. If I didn't know myself as a homebody before, I definitely do now. I didn't realize before COVID how much of, a, like, I just get so rejuvenated from social events and from being social with people, but I love home life so much that it was a really big challenge for me to just stick at home and not be able to go out with like go go out for coffee with my friends or go out for dinner with my friends or go to any events or anything. That was really tough. But I feel like and I know that you and I are on the same page with this. I feel like anything for safety and is fine. Like I'll do it. I'll do it. Right. I feel like I've almost had the opposite that I um have had moments where anytime that I do get to catch up with friends, I feel like I just don't have the same social stamina anymore. I'm like, Fair oh enough. my gosh, like do do I know how to be around people anymore? <laughs> Unsure. I definitely know how to be around my dog and everyone else hard to say. <laughs> Absolutely. That's actually a really good point. I feel like this year has made people so fatigued in so many different ways. Have you been feeling that at all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, on like the social level, I actually, I had a moment where I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I like people anymore. I don't know if I know how to do this. Like social interaction just feels so exhausting. And I have a roommate who lives with us and she and I had like a weed pizza snuggle in blankets night (laughs) and I seriously had to like hug her I was like thank you so much because I was really worried for a second that I don't like people anymore (laughs) but like this is actually the pace that I need at this point (laughs) I'm curious what is it about social interactions that we find fatiguing because as you're saying that I'm thinking of a conversation that I had with my stepmom and I was telling her how tired I was. And she said, you know, you know, I need, want you to go to the doctor because it's just not normal how tired all of you are at your age. And I said, you know, that's right. Like I never remember my parents complaining about tiredness the same way that we talk about tiredness and the way that we talk about fatigue. So I'm curious when, let's say, you know, you have a friend that texts you and says like, come social distance with us on Friday 
what about it is fatiguing? Is it like, try? is it staying in the moment? Is it trying to like catch up with people? Like, what is it for you that you find really tiring? Well, I think like my my world has just gotten so much smaller. You know, I used to, and just before uh, quarantine started, I quit my nine to five job as a social media manager and started working for myself. Crazy timing, how the universe works. But I used to be on the subway and interacting with people and in an office of people. And now that's not my life. So like my world has gotten so much smaller. So it's like navigating outside of what I'm used to. It's like, okay, there's going to be decisions that I have to make that I don't normally have to make. But also I think like one, we're always on our phone. So we're always overexposed to the world to everything that's going on in the world Mm -hmm. um that it's hard to turn off but i think also i personally like i feel like this quarantine period has made me go deep with myself that anything that's like on a surface level sometimes it makes me it brings me anxiety because it's like Mm. there's so much else going on down here that to like it's an active pushing it down to engage with people sometimes on a superficial level. Does that make sense? God, that is so beautifully put. Absolutely. <laughs> I, you articulated so perfectly what I have felt like at so many social events. When I said before that I like social events, I mean like I like going with a friend and I like getting free food and I yes. like doing the fun things at them and then I like leaving. I don't actually love like the small talk. Small talk makes me cringe so badly. And I think that you just said that perfectly. It's because we are being so surface level. We're talking about the weather. We're talking about whatever shows we're watching on Netflix. And some of that might be good for people and might be safe for people. Mm-hmm. But for the for a lot of us, I think that we have so many deeper things going on and we're not actually acknowledging them in the moment. And so our insides are like, screaming and our minds are being pulled to these deeper places but someone else is just like so it's cold out now and you're like oh my god (laughs) I'm going to implode I'm not I can't yeah no absolutely a thousand percent I feel like if there's an aspect of previous our previous way of living that I liked I miss like especially in New York City, I miss just like wandering through a store, you know, just like wandering streets and bopping in and out of places. Do you hear that? Can you tell that I live in New York City? No. Oh, there's like 8,000 horns blaring right now. I miss that. I miss Mm -hmm. um, like an appetizer and a cocktail at like some gorgeous little place. But um, other than that, it's like pizza at home and like I feel uh, really alive. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Definitely. So you live in New York. This is a time in your life where this is post social media manager, post the circle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm really curious to know a little bit about your background because I don't know much about your background. And then we'll go kind of into some of your experiences as a reality TV star star um hardly (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, how far back do you want to go? What do you want to know, Kenzie? I want to know like the meat and potatoes of your life. Like, tell me who Sean is in sixty seconds. Okay. Um, whatever trauma you want to relay to us, we're we're good here with this community <laughs> and trauma sharing. Um, no, but really, anything that you want to share? How did you got into social media? Yeah. What you came to New York for? Maybe um, how you landed on the circle? Anything like that would be great. Sure. Um, so I grew up just outside of DC, went to Catholic school, K through 12. So um, lots of like awkward fitting in uh, school uniforms as mm. a kiddo. I was always like the tallest kind of like biggest kid in my school. And uh, throughout high school, I really gravitated towards theater. I was like big time theater nerd with like an angsty streak. And I ended up going to school for acting, actually. And while I was there, I loved it. And I realized that I was like creative in so many more ways than just acting. And as my degree was kind of like coming to a close, I was having tons of anxiety and realized that I just couldn't see myself actually doing this. Like I couldn't see myself auditioning for my life. I couldn't see myself like all of the roles that had ever been presented to me. It was just like either shrinking yourself or just being like a caricature or playing like someone's mom. And it was like, it just felt like a big dead end. And it felt like setting myself up for failure. And um, it was really like just before I wrapped up college that I found body positivity online. At that time, I had been really in therapy for some like disordered eating. And it was just like, like mind blown that it was like, why would I pursue this thing where I'm constantly manipulating who I am when like this just like lit a fire under me in a mm. way that acting wasn't. Um, and so I had planned to move to New York with a couple of girlfriends to pursue acting. But instead, I was like, I just need to find a way to be a part of this like moment in plus size fashion that we're seeing. Like, I just want to be a part of like this whole movement somehow. Mm. And uh, I uh, moved to New York. I was absolutely terrified. I managed to get a job as a plus size stylist for like a subscription box company and worked my way up and then was a social media manager there. And then I literally just got a DM out of the blue one day that was like, hey, we want a fun plus size girl on a reality TV show. And I was like, mm -mm, no, this doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and it it does, apparently. And I guess the, the rest is kind of history. Yeah. Mm. So I think that this is really interesting because I have wanted to be an actor since I was a kid. I just, I loved putting on shows for people and I yes. loved, yeah, I love storytelling with your body and with altered lines. And I love like taking on the idea of someone else, but using parts of me to become someone else. Like I loved all of that. And very similar to you, I never saw myself in any of the roles that I could actually audition for. Yes. Like I've always wanted to be like some superhero, but every superhero is one, a dude. If they're not, they're like a very sexualized version 
of the beauty archetype that we see in our society. So they have curves in specific places. They're small and petite in specific places. They are strong without looking strong. Like, and I just, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. So I never saw myself in, in with, within any of the roles that I could actually audition for. And it can really like damper your heart and hurt your heart when you're like, I love this profession and I love this art, but I don't see myself in it. And also just feeling like it doesn't love you back. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. love you the way that you love it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it definitely, you're getting crazy internalized messages being like, you're not a love interest. It's like, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) I'm not sure how I'm going to process that, but thanks. Mm -hmm. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, you know, running through the roles in my head of other fat women who've auditioned for certain drama roles and have got them. And they're the exception. Like that's not the rule, you know, they don't, that's like a one in a million chance that a role was written for a fat woman and they auditioned for it or a role was just written and then they cast the best person for it, which happened to be a fat woman, you know, like that's, And you can't hold your breath waiting for that exception. And so I feel you anyways, I feel you being like, okay, this is not for me. I'm going to go with something that actually loves me back. I'm going to look for a profession that loves me back, that cares about me and that's thinking about me. So, okay, wow. You got a DM asking you to be on a reality TV show. How did that, yeah. How did that happen? Did you have a large following at the time? Were you... No, 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 I don't, I don't know how this person found me. I mean, news to the world, reality TV casting people, they are looking everywhere. Like they are looking on dating apps. They are Mm. looking on like social media. Um, I probably had, um, I think a little under like 3000 followers at the Mm -hmm. time. So I really don't, know how this person uh how I got on anyone's radar but yeah it was it was something that was just completely out of the blue completely out of the blue and how did they explain what the circle was to you yeah so um for anyone who doesn't know the circle is uh it was a show on Netflix season two coming soon I think they're casting now and we were quarantining before it was cool everyone is in these rooms Um, And they can't see anyone else. You only interact through this like pretend app. And so anyone can be anyone. Um, And so that was told to me by the time like I, I think by the time that they were, someone reached out to me, I think they were kind of, they knew that they wanted to have some type of like plus size representation on the show. So that was definitely a part of the conversation from the get-go and actually the woman who casted me she was a plus-size woman herself and so that definitely made it a lot easier because um it was scary you know like I I don't know about you I like I'm kind of I do love reality tv are you are you a reality tv person uh you know what? I have not kept up in the last five years with reality TV, but you know, if someone puts it on, I'm not going to look away. Yes. I See, I'm that enabler to my friends that like they only watch Real Housewives of anything because I've put it on. Um, and I kind of feel like the Real Housewives like raised me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But like if you've watched any reality TV, then, you know, like 
it's not super body friendly a lot of the time. You know, it's like the people on it um, all generally, no one's fat most of the time. If they are, then like there's a lot of not cool conversations about their Mm -hmm. weight. Um, Everyone's always like unhappy with their body. And me thinking about like being on a reality TV show, I was like, okay, like I know this world and it's not really friendly to me, you know? (laughs) Um, So I I was really scared, honestly. I was really Mm -hmm. terrified, to be honest. I like would wake up in the middle of the night throughout the casting process and then waiting for the show to come out with like my fists, like just clenched, like Mm -hmm. terrified about what was going to happen. Um, Ultimately, like spoiler alert, um, I chose to go on the show and I chose, I really wanted to start a conversation about how fat people are treated online because it's supposed to be kind of like a social media experiment. Mm-hmm. And um, so I chose to initially come in with photos of a friend of mine who's not fat. And the reason why I did that also is because it's like, how often do you walk into a room and like people kind of like just see you for your size? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm a social media manager. I'm a very cool, fun to get along, like easy to get along with person. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want that part of me to not be at the forefront. Um, But I knew if given the chance that I would reveal myself and that's what I did. Um, And I, another reason that I really wanted to do that was because I feel like in the past years with all the progress that we've made in this space and in media, we kind of just celebrate this one version of plus size women. I kind of think of it as like the Lizzo effect and I love Lizzo, but it's like this ultra confident 24 seven, the sun shines out my ass. I love myself person that like none of us are, you know, like we all like, And if we are there, it's because we've had to do a lot of fucking work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people don't want to talk about that part of it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to start a conversation about the reality that like online or just the world in general, it's just not always safe for fat people. And that that's a problem, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on like a hundred things that I would love to. I said a lot of things there. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's great. So I'm curious what you want to talk about first, or actually what you are able to also talk about, because I want to know about whether or not the show was also hoping to get someone on that's plus size to have that experience of, hey, I'm going to be plus size, but I'm going to put my personality as a thinner person to then reveal myself to show that there is, you know, fat hatred or there is people who believe that fat people catfish people all the time or whatever it is. Um, I'm curious about that. And then I'm also would love to discuss the fact that we do have acceptable forms of being a fat person. And one of them is usually like an hourglass body. So, so being in an hourglass body is usually the acceptable fat version of, um, or the, the, acceptable version of fatness. And then the other part of that is that being really confident, not caring what people think, you know, uh, creating these, this like 
persona of nothing can hurt me and nothing can touch me and I'm soft and I'm confident and I'm beautiful and I don't have like all of that stuff. Um, so I'd love to talk about both of those things. Yeah. Um, so the first point you were saying, you were talking about how um, just kind of like the conversations leading up to kind of like how I played the game, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's so much that goes into casting stuff. And as someone who loves reality TV, it was just like, whoa. Sometimes I was like, these producers have the coolest job. Other times I was like, I am fully watching the sausage be made right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think in when I was in talks with them, I think like a lot of my beliefs probably like steered where my story landed like namely me just being very comfortable with like using the word fat and mm -hmm. being comfortable talking about how you know a lot of times I have felt like I needed to kind of like outperform other people to be noticed on like a human level and you know um be seen past just like my body so I I think a lot of that kind of like landed me where I was I was like very adamant about how like I didn't and I hope that it didn't come across to anyone I didn't want this to be like sad fat girl isn't loved mm -hmm. as herself um so she has to be someone else like that's why it was really important to me to reveal myself because that's not my reality like I um really think I'm a pretty dope person overall but it's just like I mean really it's like there were a hundred thousand dollars at stake and you're gonna tell me that you are going to bet a hundred thousand dollars that a, like you know eight strangers on reality tv are fat friendly people mm. no <laughs> <laughs> like I would love to say yes but no you know no. like I can't walk into a room of any eight people and assume that they're fat friendly let alone reality tv people like no. <laughs> Can you explain to us how someone was going to win the $100,000? Yeah, it's essentially like, um, essentially at like various stages of the game, people are voted off. So it's essentially like who is most liked in the circle gets to okay. wins. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, that's just not my life experience to... Mm -hmm. um, put that type of trust in people like that if that's someone else's life experience like cool like I'll come move where you live but like that's not my life experience <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's a really good point and I think that you did such a good job at explaining that like fat women do have all of these different personalities like that was like I love that and that you were trying to I guess showcase yours um while also making a statement and whatnot. And so did you get voted off? Yes. So um, it was very uh, sad. <laughs> <laughs> I revealed myself. And then the next elimination round, I was voted off, which was really hard. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, there are mental health professionals in the reality TV world. So immediately, I was like talking to some entertainment therapist, which um, was lovely, because even though I knew it was a game and I think a lot of people were shocked by me being voted off, a part of me was definitely like, oh, this is, this just kind of confirms what I thought, you know, like it really just confirms those really not nice voices in your head. And um, that's, that really was a terrible feeling. I was definitely very 
emotional the night that I got blocked. But it was a game, you know. <laughs> it is. It's. It is a game. I and I and I do understand that, and I understand that there is a healthy level of there's there are healthy levels of competition, and there are healthy levels of rivalry and being able to be in a game win lose dynamic. Like there are healthy levels of that. And also we just know that social media and reality TV shows and all of that are not a healthy level of those things, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's like I, being on a reality TV show has completely transformed my ideas about reality TV and just media in general. And Mm -hmm my experience on that show and I wouldn't trade it for anything like even though I was emotional when things happened the way they did I also once I revealed myself I was like I did what I came here to do and I felt a lot of peace about that but I definitely it's like whenever you watch reality tv and someone gets really emotional and you're like why the fuck are you crying like it's Mm -hmm. not a big deal like this person is so dramatic. Ew, we hate her. The reality is, like, this person is in an insane, um, produced, contained, hyped up experience <laughs> where, mm-hmm. um, like, the reason why it feels so intense and the reason why it's exciting to watch is because, like, there are people behind the scenes making this a very making it a very intense experience and um you know having cameras on you 24 7 and lights on you 24 7 and waiting and all of this uncertainty and uh, you know it i didn't expect to be someone who was like <laughs> no but um there was really no other option like they really set up a scenario so that uh it's fun to watch you know mm-hmm. and that you're feeling a lot of things uh in front yeah. of a camera <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think that that's a really good thing to note is that reality TV is also like curated, that it is reality, of course, like, you know, your reactions on it are your reactions. And they're not telling you they're like, okay, Sean, cry on one, two, like, they're not saying that, but it is creating a dynamic for those really intense emotions. And it is creating dynamics for the win-lose game theory to exist and for the rivalry to get really heated and stuff like that all stuff that it's it's stoking the fire in very specific ways so that way the flames burn in very specific ways right and I think too it's so it was so funny watching the show with friends I was absolutely um terrified of the whole experience (laughs) but um watching it with friends you know, because all of my friends went to school for theater. So we're all pretty like media savvy. But I think even the person who is media savvy, like misses how things are contrived when they're watching a reality TV show, because you're just watching it to really be entertained. Like you're watching it, you like, you end up falling into those like, good person, bad person, silly person, smart person, binaries, because it's easy to understand. And you want to watch it for entertainment purposes but uh yeah i think even people who are like uh well versed in like the tricks of production still get caught up in the story that's in front mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely 
when you got voted, when you revealed yourself, when you got voted off, did it confirm to you that there is fat phobia within reality TV? Um, I think I already knew there was fat phobia in reality TV, just based on the amount of like Real Housewives and Kardashians that I've watched in this life. Um, I think that experience, what it really taught me was, well, one, I was really surprised by how vulnerable it felt because I didn't really know these people. We didn't film for that long, but it felt really vulnerable because it reminded me of those kind of like coming out as fat moments that like I've had in my life. And Mm -hmm. it's very vulnerable to say to someone, I'm not what you might have expected. I'm not what you might have desired, but this is who I am. Like, I kind of have goosebumps just saying that because it's just very Mm -hmm. vulnerable to Mm -hmm. be like, this is me, even though maybe you didn't want that. Um, And so I was surprised by the vulnerability in that moment. But I think like my biggest takeaway was that like, what I have chosen to take away from this is that like the world can surprise you with compassion if you allow them to, you have to give people the opportunity to be compassionate and to see you. But, you know, it's it's not black and white. I'm holding space for a lot of gray area there because also sometimes it doesn't feel safe to be yourself. And mm-hmm. I think like how you choose to present to the world, how much you choose to share, sometimes it, it does have to be on your own terms and you have to protect your heart. But vulnerability is an extremely powerful thing but I think like the moment of me revealing myself like it's layered because all of these people um knew they were on camera when they saw the real photos of me (laughs) so Mm -hmm. I don't I didn't really expect that everyone would be like what she's this fat bitch we hate Mm -hmm. her because like they're sitting with a camera right in front of their face you know um Mm -hmm. so I don't know what all of their reactions were outside of what I saw that was edited I know people were definitely shocked um but uh yeah i knew fat phobia was there but maybe not in that exact moment Mm -hmm. do you feel comfortable sharing any other coming out fat moments because that's a really unique phrase and i've only heard it before spoken about specifically online dating and Mm. how um a lot of fat women and straight size women feel as if they have to preface beforehand to the person they're going out out on a date with, hey, just letting you know, I am not a size two, just letting you know that I take up space in this world physically, whatever it is. Um, Do you feel comfortable chatting a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like my coming out as fat moments were actually kind of different from that. So one, going to school for theater and having a huge group of um, like gal friends, eating disorders were pretty much the norm in like studying performing arts. Um, Everyone really had a lot of fat phobic beliefs, myself included, that I was like working through. And I, once I kind of like found that like body positive space and like going through therapy, it was kind of that moment with like having conversations with friends that like, you know, what, actually like this is me and like, I'm not gonna keep on doing this like yo-yo dieting. I'm not going to um, feel comfortable or safe when like you guys, 
you know, talk about fat and like fatness in such a derogatory way. Um, this, this is kind of who I am. So there were a lot of kind of like, like labor of love conversations with friends Mm -hmm. that now, like, I think all of us feel safer in our bodies. And I'm so grateful for that. But another one is with my mom. So my mom has always been very thin and has always had like a, um, I don't want to like bash my mom, but like she works out a lot uh, more than the average person. Mm -hmm. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely like dieting was encouraged at a pretty young age. And my dad, on the other hand, has always been fat. So there was a lot of intense like body talk in our household. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was home from college at one point and some like body conversation came up and I, you know, eventually was just like, you know, but this is me and I'm not going to change this. Like you shouldn't expect this to change. And I've always felt a pressure to be something different than I am. And it hasn't been good for me, that pressure. To be honest, it didn't actually go over very well. Mm -hmm. But like, eventually, I think like, my family has really come to terms with like who I am and what I believe and the types of conversations that, you know, just don't feel good or safe for me. Mm. Um, So I think it may be like coming out as fat for me met like setting expectations and setting boundaries with the people who I love in my life. Mm. That's a really beautiful thing to, to be able to say like, this is who I am. And, you know, you got to back away from talking in these ways and being hurtful or harmful in these ways and setting those boundaries. I think that that is so important. And I think it is so incredibly scary. So thank you so much for chatting with us about that and um, being able to also do that in your own life. I know that it's so difficult sitting down with those who are close to you who've also created your like trauma wounds and you're like hey just letting you know that most of the stuff that you say is like pretty harmful or i can't have you speak to me like this anymore or i can't be around this person or whatever it is it is so difficult setting those fucking boundaries and it doesn't matter how many times you do it it never gets easier like It never truly gets easier at all. I was just in a situation where I was with some people for a few days and one of the one person in our group kept making comments about, oh, I can't eat too many potatoes. Like I can't, I don't want any chips because if I have one, I'm going to have the whole bag. And it's one of those things too, where I'm like, we're strangers enough that I don't feel comfortable just blatantly being like, hey, that's incredibly fat phobic and insulting to people who've struggled with eating disorders. Can you not say those things? But we were close enough that I'm like, that I was feeling heat from it. Like I wasn't Mm -hmm. triggered, but I was just feeling sensitive towards it. Yeah. And it happens everywhere. And so stating like who you are and what your I was I'm going to say what your beliefs are but really what your values are and what your ethics are and what you're going to allow into your life and what you're not going to allow is honestly like a monumental episode in every single person's life when you're yes. like I'm ready to cut people off if they can't get on board with this or whatnot yeah good for you for like recovering from catholic school and <laughs> all of the shit that happens there because that's all like that can 
you know, induce spiritual trauma, as well as the body based trauma that we see from being in uniforms and how Catholicism can, you know, really put a lot of rules and regulations on a woman's body Mm. and all that stuff. So, girl, wow. It is. It is so scary. And I think like the flip side of how I've learned to reframe it based on like giving people the time to adjust their behavior and adjust their worldview is that the positive outcome is that you can suddenly be loved and seen in ways that you didn't feel were possible or that you've told yourself weren't possible. And you can be supported in ways that you you hadn't experienced in the past. And Um, I've been lucky that I've, you know, I've had experiences where I've set boundaries and people couldn't meet me there. And that's like really heartbreaking. But when they can, it's like, shit, man, I'm really worth it. (laughs) Did you find that after the circle that you had a lot of people come to you online and support you or come to say like, actually, I didn't think that you should have been voted off. Like, I think that they were secretly fat phobic, like anything like that happened to you online. Yeah. Um, especially when, so because the show came out in parts. And so when I was still, when I hadn't come out as myself, I definitely got a lot of not so great feedback about like, you know, you're a fraud and, you know, mm. I don't know why you're doing this but then other people were like I know exactly why she's doing this I don't even post you know like full body photos of myself online or Mm -hmm. I don't feel like one message that like really just like got right in my heart was this man sent me from Australia so literally like across the world sent me this message about how um he doesn't didn't feel comfortable wearing like a swimsuit in the pool with his kids Mm. and he's like I don't want to live that life anymore like I was afraid what they would think of me but like they're my kids you know and it's just like people hide themselves in small ways and I think like seeing that moment of kind of like transformation or or coming out was just like I, I think for some people and that was like my biggest hope that people would see like, oh, maybe I'm hiding myself or minimizing myself in certain ways. And maybe I don't want to do that. So to me, that was like what was so incredibly deeply rewarding from this experience was getting messages from people literally all over the world. And I I posted about this recently, like, as someone who has had such a transformative experience online, following even people like you, I have followed you for the longest time. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, to suddenly have like uh, people know you or talk to you, like this whole experience is just very surreal because I just feel like the biggest fangirl of this community. And I just feel like a girl that's just been like plucked out of a crowd and brought on stage. <laughs> like it is, um, it's insane. It's, it's a really insane experience. I think that it is the best position ever is to be upheld as a thought leader and also be a fan of everyone else's thought leading. You know, I think that that's one of the biggest reasons why I one call the platform that you and I have like a community, you know, I really truly feel like this is a community and this is non-hierarchical, you know, like I am 
also learning. Like there are people who ask me for advice for bad body image or mental health. And I'm like, I literally have no idea. You know, I feel like you and I, even though we may have these platforms where we are seen as leaders and where we can lead at times, we are to we are also just learning and we are also just struggling just as much and fans of each other and other people. And that's what I really love about what you talk about because you're so community oriented. You're so passionate. You're so empathetic. You're so sweet to people. And there are just so many people that aren't like that, you know, and there are so many people that also they'll get a platform and it kind of goes to their head and they change their whole demeanor and they interact with people differently because they are now something in the world and before that they weren't. And I know it comes from a place of insecurity, but I get so bitter about that. I'm like, screw you, you're a human being too, kind of thing. Yeah, we're all just human beings is um, a big takeaway. But I I feel an intense amount of imposter syndrome about everything. Like I struggled with this before the circle working in social media. And now I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm a fraud. They're all going to find out any day now. <laughs> um, it's really hard to um, believe that you deserve it. I don't know. It, when the Online, it's just like the, the volume that you can receive any sort of attention or feedback or, you know, anything. It, it's hard to make sense of that and process that in real life because it's not normal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's actually a good point. You can't process it. And I think that it's so easy to also only process the negative stuff like that, you know, and I know that um, we all are mostly wired to see negative things first. That's a negativity bias because, and that serves an evolutionary feature because if we didn't see the negative harmful things, we would have died. But now where we can live much safer lives, we still have that hardwiring. But if you have a hundred positive comments and you have one really negative one, that one really negative one can just like overwhelm you. And then you're like, what am I doing on here? Like, I hate this. This is the worst. But you have a hundred people telling you how much they support you and love you. And they're sharing their story with you. But it's that one person that comes on that can like really ruin your day. Have you, have you struggled with that at all? Yeah. A thousand percent, especially with, I actually have a ton of feelings about this when it comes to like the way social media is kind of like uh, headed right now with TikTok and Reels and how people are suddenly like really enamored with the idea of like massive exposure super quickly. Um, but you know these these apps are really not beholden to our well being or <laughs> exposing mm-hmm. us to people who wish us well. Um, and you know a ton of you know fat people and fat creators have been experiencing this where you know suddenly you just have a rampage of uh, terrible comments. Um, and I I posted something on TikTok recently that got way more views than I ever would have thought. And I was just, I was being very sassy about how, I don't know if you've had this experience, when someone who is not fat asks you where you got your clothes, and then they act very like bewildered or confused when you say a place that they've never heard of. But it's kind of like, 
if you can't name a place that sells a size 24, then why are you shocked to hear (laughs) the name of a store that you've never heard of when you're asking a size 24 person, you know, where they got their clothes? And uh, a lot of straight size people did not handle that well. But a ton of plus size people were like, yes, that is my whole life. I just had this experience today. And um, I was flooded with comments and I was up to like three or four in the morning looking at them and Mm -hmm. then just felt like an emotional hangover for the next Mm -hmm. couple of days from that experience. And I was scrolling and scrolling and just suddenly was like, what am I looking for? And it's exactly what you were saying, that like negativity bias that I was almost seeking out the negative comment, but I'm like, these people aren't going to tell me something about myself that I don't know. And Mm -hmm. let's just say I really did fuck up here. Like my bad, like if someone was telling me something like a side of this that I didn't realize, then I probably would have the capacity to be gracious and hear it. But the volume and the the tone of some of these, it's not going to be a place of learning for me. It's just a place of like self-sabotage really at this point. Right. Yeah, that is so true. When you scroll through your comments and you find you're like, you're like, oh, I know someone's calling me a fat bitch in the comments. Oh, I know. And you like go to look for it and then you find it and you're like, "Hmm, what am I going to say to them today? Or how am I going to use this as content for today? Or whatever it is. Um, I, I feel you on that. And it's really easy to also brush past all of the stories and all of the positivity, all of the people that are relating to you all because the negativity, the, the negative comments, they pull you in. Like they're like a black hole full of gravity. That's just sucking you in. And that is where the value of mindfulness comes in. Like Mm -hmm. when we talk about mindfulness and we talk about self-care, we're talking about that as like a whole life practice. You don't just practice mindfulness when you open up your phone. You don't just practice (laughs) self-care when you are going through a bad moment. Like that's an all the time kind of thing. So then that way, when you are scrolling and you do find yourself sucked into the negative stuff, you can much more easily pull yourself away from that. You can watch yourself in the moment be doing something and you can say like, that's actually not me. I know what I want and I know what I value and this is not it. So I'm going to get offline or whatever it is. But I have not seen the TikTok that got a lot of views. I'll send it to you after this and I feel like you will get it. But God, it's just so hard when you see so many people who don't get it and it's just like oh my god I just want to scream into the void forever but it wouldn't it wouldn't make me a better person you know (laughs) what frustrates you online right now um with people that aren't getting it like what are some things that you wish you could snap your finger and people would just automatically understand tomorrow what what really frustrates me and I've been wanting to talk about this but I I'm I don't know if I'm like ready to but really it upsets me the people who I see who are so about women empowerment so about like progressive ideas uh, especially on TikTok it's like there's so much like leftist like Gen Z and I'm like yes I'm here for it but just haven't incorporated fatness into those ideas and those politics um, and actually have a really, you know, fat phobic and hateful initial reaction. And it, it is um, just really shocking to me that you can um, participate in those comments and see those comments and still um, not be receptive to the idea that like 
anti-fatness, fat hatred, oppression based on body size is a thing. Um, especially when you extend that, extend that level of understanding to other issues that are important to you. Um, that that's uh that's a thing that I'm just like really stuck on right now. Mm-hmm. It really like it really I I know that you've had some conversations about this too, and like the body positive space. The there's just been so many conversations about um you know thinner women in this space and um you know the hunching over to show off your roles and uh it it gets people in a in a defensive spot and that it's it really gets me and I get really worked up when people aren't able to hold space for others Mm. um when people just don't have that skill to see like okay I experience this in one way but you experience it in a lot of other ways so let me just decenter myself for just a hot second um (laughs) when Mm -hmm. people don't have that ability I really am like oh that's that's rough that's a rough one (laughs) yeah I think that that point is particularly really heated right now and really important to talk about within our community is the fact that there are so many more people right now that are awake and alive in politics that are ready to learn and that are learning and growing and they're doing the thing about acknowledging their privilege and learning about different intersections and learning about different axes of those intersections and learning about complex and uh, complicated thinking, like they were, they were just doing the critical stuff. So as soon as you say fat people are people too, and fat people may experience things that are what you experience, but on a different level, on a systemic and on a global level, it's met with hatred and it's met with that can't be possible. And it's met with but all lives matter. Like it is truly met with that narrative and it is really frustrating. And I have to say that I've had a lot of those conversations lately and they haven't been fun. Some of them have been worthwhile. Some of them haven't been. And I, I do find that I almost, and I don't know if you felt this with your platform, but I almost sometimes get like scared to even go through the comments like there is that addiction to the negativity but then there is also the avoidance like I don't even want to look at any of my comments and I want to turn the comment section off yeah I feel that entirely some days I really I literally give my phone to my boyfriend because I'm like I don't like don't even let me go there I can't do it Mm -hmm. Um, but it's hard to know when when it's worth that conversation and when it isn't and to be very honest I when I see those comments, sometimes when I see, especially that more like nuanced conversation unfolding where someone is really resistant to um, like decentering themselves or being exposed to like a larger worldview, I feel really hopeless when someone is so resistant to that because it really makes me feel like, you know, all of this work and all of this movement is just so that we can stop for like we just halt at um some thin women you know learning to love a singular role and then like that's that's all we're gonna do the the Mm. buck stops there you know it it makes me feel just really disheartened um Mm. and so I'm grateful that some people do have like the energy to 
unpack there because it really, it gets me too much in my feels. I get too worked up about it sometimes, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah, rightfully so. And I do feel extra thankful when thin women do take the lead to unpack their shit in in the sense of thin privilege when they're like yeah hi i'm thin thin privilege absolutely does exist in these ways thin people do not go through the things that fat people go through and thin people have affordances that fat people do not when they say that i feel so seen and i feel so heard and i feel like i can be at home with them yes like i feel it makes my heart so happy you have actually exposed me to a couple of people like that um the bird's papaya. I wasn't following her before. And she's recently kind of like incorporated that into some of what she said. And I'm like, ah, thank you. And also, um, is it Madeline? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Some of like what she has said too. It's just like, it is possible. And when you see a thin person who's like, I got my own shit, but I'm willing to hold space for other people. It's like, Thank you. That's all. That's all. We don't have to be pros. We just have to be willing to listen to other people's Mm -hmm. experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that it is telling. This is such a longer conversation and this is definitely like a whole episode in and of itself. But there's definitely something to be said that the minute that someone says, hey, I experience what you experience too. Plus, I experience all of these other things that you don't experience. And when you do certain things like what you're doing right now, like let's say the, um, you know, slouching over belly roll photos, when you do certain things like that, it is actually harmful to me in these ways, in things that you don't experience. And when they say stuff like when they immediately get defensive and reactive and all of that. It's just so telling of our place with privilege that the minute that you try to incorporate your experience with them, that they reject it and that it's so it's so forced away and it's pushed down. It just shows like that we've just really have created such a society that just isn't inclusive. Yeah. It, I I think even more so did you hear that horn that time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, this is just going to be a symphony of horns on my end. Um, I think kind of bringing it all together with my experience on reality TV and also social media, like I am very fearful of our inability to... It's a it's an it's a New York orchestra. It, it is. It is so lucky. For... The Big <laughs> Apple. We're grateful every single day. Um, I'm fearful of our inability to like hold space for nuance and have um, complicated conversations that have gray area. And I think like that's what I was so fearful of um, being on reality TV was that I I wouldn't have space for the whole of my experience. It would just be like you are an insecure, insecure fat girl mm. or, you know, you're incredibly hyper confident and untouchable and can't be hurt. Mm. Your feelings can't be hurt ever. And neither of those things are true about me. Um, and I think it's, it's really difficult, especially, I mean, in America too, I have just noticed a pattern of like, as the election is ramping up, it's just the more lightning rod, the more divisive, the more strong opinion, the more we are drawn to that type of content and that type of media. And it, it's mm-hmm. really like up to us on an individual level to say like, okay, what's really like going on there? And like, 
is it possible that more than one thing can be happening at once? And that's really that's really the most real answer mm-hmm. is that more often than not, more things are happening than just good, bad, right, wrong. Mm. Love that. And you're really making us recognize that there is just so much nuance, so much nuance that can get lost and so many projections that we can force onto other people and whatnot. So thank you so much for that, Sean. Where can everyone find you online? Um, I am Hey Sean Taylor everywhere um, on TikTok and on Instagram, just uh, living my little life. And I'm sure that so many of the people from the community will have already followed you before. But if you're not, you're definitely worth the follow. I also just want to say, like, I love your style so much. Like, uh, so much. And it makes Uh. sense why, like, when you said before that you got into being a stylist and that you were able to you know, curate different looks for people. I just, I'm like, oh, of course, of course, because she's got great style. Like I see it and I'm just like, yes, that is exactly what I would love to wear in this moment right now. Absolutely. So, Oh my God, you've made love. my day. I'm obsessed with your uh, plant girl lifestyle. Uh, please believe. <laughs> <laughs> Let me come over and I mean, like, you know, after we get a vaccine, I'll come fly to you and I'll give you all my little plant cuttings. Oh, would love. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sean. I really (laughs) all right friends you made it to the end of the episode you know what to do now head over to our instagram account conversations with kenzie and let us know what you loved about the episode or let us know what you didn't love what questions did we miss what questions could we have asked differently let us know there As always, stay curious, keep asking questions, and keep making conversations in your everyday life. Until next time.